Good morning. All right, good morning. Good morning. Turn up the mic. Thank you. All right, mate. All right, mate. Oh, I don't want to offend anyone. All right. Good morning. Uh, if you're like standing at the back, there's some seats here at the front. So don't be shy. Come sit at the front. You'll be all right. <laughs> all right. Good morning, everybody. My name's Obed, and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, King's Cross Church, we've been in existence for four years, and we're a church family on mission with Jesus. And so if you're new, welcome. We are incredibly thankful that you are here. We really are. Um, and you've heard through the announcement, we want to do all that we can to get you plugged in and connected to our church family. And so before you leave, make sure that you um, go to the connect table um, and they'll help you out. They'll sort you out and they'll help you see how you can get involved and everything. But behind me, as you can see, is our baptism at the bay. Um, end of August, the last Sunday of August, we're not going to be gathering here. We're going to be going to the bay, which is a lovely part of San Diego. Um, and we are going to be celebrating baptisms. Yeah, we really are. Yes, you should be excited. And, um, and so if you are here, okay, uh, and you want to be baptized, okay, let me just rephrase that. We, some people have signed up that want to get baptized, but some of you are not sure whether you should get baptized or not. Um, if you are unsure about whether you should get baptized or not, um, you can, right, you can reach out to us. You can go on the website and you can sign up for baptisms. And I, or one of the pastors, will reach out to you and we'll talk and um, get, uh, answer any questions that you have about baptism. Baptism is a way that you can express your commitment to Jesus Christ. Um, and it's a fantastic, okay, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And so looking forward to it. Like I said, if you're interested in getting baptized, please go on the website, sign up, and we will have conversations and help you understand as much as possible to help you make a final decision. Yeah? I hope that was clear. All right, get your Bibles and turn to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. Was there anything else I was meant to say? No. Danny? No, I'm done. Okay. Sometimes I forget. Oh, yeah, John C. is here, everyone. <laughs> Stand up, John. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Some of you are like, who is John C.? This is the John C. Um, John C. was like, part of the founding team for this church, and he decided to move to um, the Republic of Texas. <laughs> I got that right, yes. Uh, he decided to move to Dallas uh, several months ago, and he loves it in Dallas. He tells us all about it all the time. Doesn't want to come back to San Diego. <laughs> but he's here visiting this week, got to hang out with him. Love you, John. John is an incredible man, just faithful in helping us launch this church. But um, enough about John, enough about baptism. <laughs> Let's read Philippians chapter 4. And this week we're going to be reading verses 10 through to 23. And this is our final week in the book of Philippians. It's been 13 weeks of us studying and walking through it in this final week. And so as we do, may you please stand for the reading of God's word. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through to 23 reads, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, 
That's you Philippians, though, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I was set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except to you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 21. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be, be with your spirit. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. May what I say um, be acceptable in your sight, God. May I speak what you want me to speak, um, and may you speak powerfully to those who hear, God, not just for us to hear, but to live out all that you're calling us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> this week, as I said, I was hanging out with John Sear. And we decided to go and get some sandwiches from um, one of the local liquor stores. Um, it looks shady, this liquor store. It really does, but they make the best sandwiches, okay? You only know they do when you're from around the neighborhood. And the neighborhood I'm talking about is Bird Rock, and Bird Rock is where our church offices are located. And so we walked in, and I know the owner, and so I was chatting to him. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. How are you doing? Doing well. How's your mom? All of that while we're waiting for our sandwiches. And then he tells me, he informs me that it's been a busy day. And I said, why has it been busy? He says, oh, it's been busy because... Today is the last day you can buy the lottery ticket for the Mega Million, okay? And if you are here, who, who, who plays the lottery here? Don't put your hands up, it's fine. Um, <laughs> basically, it was the Mega Million lottery, and it was the second largest prize in Mega Millions history. It was whoever won the jackpot would win one billion dollars like legit $1 billion, and it was, I think it was Friday they were doing it, and as I was preparing for this, this morning I looked and someone had won it, um, the $1 billion jackpot, and they were located in Illinois, <laughs> they were located in Illinois, but while I was there, um, he, 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 you know, we were chatting to him, and he said, hey, Obed, um, do you know what, I have some tickets for you, I have some tickets for the lottery, and no one's using it, you can have them. And I took them, and I said, wow, imagine if I actually win <laughs> the lottery. And I told him that, he was like, if you win, it would be an amazing story, but you've got to come back and give me some millions, okay? <laughs> you remember that, John, right? And, and so, you know, I placed it in my pocket, and all day I'm thinking about this ticket, and I'm thinking about the possibility of winning this ticket. <laughs> And I'm just like, wow, imagine if I win it. And as I start to think about winning a billion dollars, I start to think about how it would change my life. I start to think about how I wouldn't um, have to, like, I would drive a better car than I do. Um, that I would be able to do more and give more to missions. And, you know, we would be able to buy our own building and, you know, support missionaries. And, you know, for my family and I, we're renting. We wouldn't have to rent. We would buy a big house, a big, massive mansion um, and live in it. Um, and I would drive a Ferrari. No, it wouldn't look good. <laughs> But, you know, you start to imagine, and the more I began to think about what life would look like, how my life would change if I was to win the lottery, the more discontent I became with my life. I started to struggle with my current situation. I, you know, I went in my car, I've got a Honda Civic, it does not look good, um, it smells weird inside. <laughs> And I was like, why am I driving this car? 
Why am I driving this car? Um, Eleanor and I were going through our visa application green card, and you know we're using good attorneys. But I was like, man, if we had a billion dollars, look, like we would have our green cards, right? <laughs> we would, because we have the money, and money speaks to anyone, including immigration services. And so, like, I just became really discontent with my life, and so. Having this ticket and thinking about the possibility of a life change through winning um, not only highlighted my ongoing struggle with discontentment, but what it did was it sparked a fresh search within me for long-lasting contentment. I started to feel discontent and feel unhappy with my life and what I had. But it also motivated me to say that, man, like, how can I actually be content with what I have? And um, this passage today talks about the idea of contentment and how God provides it for Christians. And I'm sure in a room of this size, um, all of you struggle with discontentment, right? You do. Um, discontentment is part of all of our lives. Um, and the passage today is telling us that it's possible for us to overcome discontentment and we can actually become content. And so what does that mean? What does that look like? Okay, um, let's look at what Paul says starting um, in verse 10. Let's read verse 10. He says, Paul begins, um, says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned but you had no opportunity to show it. Um, so what's happening here that he, he, he's praising God for the church in Philippi. And he's saying to them that you have always cared for me. You have always looked out for my overall well-being. And he also said, to, he always says about them that um, you had no opportunity to show it. And he doesn't only praise God for their constant concern for his overall well-being. Also, notice what he says in verse 10. He says, indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Right? Look at verse 10 again. In in other words, what Paul is saying is that I know you've always cared about me, but you never got the chance to help me. And then in verse 11, Paul makes it clear that he's not talking about um, the whole idea of this because he's in need and wants more money, but he brings this up, right, to let them know that he has learned how to be content whatever the circumstances. Look at verse 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. That's powerful. He's basically saying, no matter what I'm going through, no matter where I am, I have learned to be content And what are the circumstances in which Paul has found true and lasting contentment? Look at verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul says he has learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And notice something. Notice that he doesn't only say, I've learned to be content in poor times or hard times. He also says that I have learned to be content whenever I've had plenty or I've been well fed. In other words... I have been content not only in bad times, but also in good times. Not only when I'm in need, but also when I have everything I want. And what is this telling us? This is telling us, right, that more stuff will not make you content. More stuff will not make you content. No matter who you are, no matter what you have, you have an issue. And your issue is with discontentment. The millionaire and the homeless both struggle with discontentment. 
They absolutely do, right? Um, the other day, yesterday even, I met a guy who was walking his dog, and now I have a dog. I can engage with people that have dogs. <laughs> before I would walk straight past them and away from doggy people. But now, <laughs> I am a dog owner, so, I, so I'm interacting with this guy, and he's like really wealthy, right? He just is, he has houses, several houses in PB, right? And I'm just interacting with him, and one of the things he said to me that stood out was like, look, I have all this money, right? But I am just discontent. Right? I don't feel fully fulfilled, okay? And so no matter who you are, no matter what you have, you have an issue, and it's called discontentment. And maybe your discontentment is not with, like, you know, what you have or material things, right? It doesn't have to be physical or material things. Your discontentment could be with what you look like, right? You look in the mirror, and you just don't like some of your features. Some of you, um, you are discontent with your spouse, some of you, it's, your, it's with your kids or your age. Um, the older I get, um, the more discontent I become. Some of you are discontent with your personality or your height or your weight or your upbringing, right? You wished you would have grew up in a certain um, family dynamic. Some of you are discontent with your parents or the job you worked extremely hard to get, right? You worked hard to get this particular position, and now you're in it, and you're doing the work, and you're finding that it's not fulfilling. Um, some of you, you're discontent with your Enneagram, right? <laughs> you're like, I did the test, and the results were I'm a nine, but I want to be a seven, you know, or a four, <laughs> you know? Discontent. Um, some of you have had major health issues just ongoing, and obviously you're discontent with your health. The bottom line is you're unhappy about something in your life and you daydream about it changing. And the greener grass syndrome is real to you. That's the bad news. But the good news is like Paul, you can learn the secret of being content in any and every situation. And then, so the question is, what then is the secret to this contentment? Tell me, what is it? It's there. Look at verse 13. Paul continues. He says, I can do all this. This is the NIV translation. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The word him in this sentence refers to Jesus Christ. Um, I like how the New King James Version puts it. The New King James Version says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me who strengthens me. This verse, okay, I'm sure we could all close our eyes and like recite it. It's one of the most recognizable sentences in the entire Bible. Um, it's everywhere, okay? It's everywhere. Um, you know, it has served as motivation for many athletes, right? Tim Tebow, right? He was on the cover of what? Um, like Sports Illustrated, and he had the Eye black or black-eyed? What is it? Eye black? <laughs> American football. <laughs> I was like, I, I read it, but then I just got confused. Whatever. He had like Philippians 3, like 13 on it. He really did. Um, there's a, you know, there's so many people have tattoos and athletes use it. So many people use it as a source of inspiration. They have it on their mirror. And so every day they look at it and they're like, I can do all things through Christ. It's one of the most frequently quoted and well-known verses in the Bible, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is also one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. This is because Paul is not making a categorical, comprehensive statement. To understand what this verse really means, we have to understand that all things in verse 13 refers to what he's been talking about in verse 12. All right, and so to refresh our memory, let's look at verse 12 again. Remember, he says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. 
Okay, that's what verse 12 says. And then verse 13, I can do all of this, all of this, all these different seasons in life, yeah? I can do all of this. I can endure them through him, through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, Paul is saying that because of Jesus, he can be content in any and every situation. R. Kent Hughes sheds light on this for us. He says, Paul is content that he will be divinely strengthened to do anything and everything that God calls him to do. Not only could Paul be content and confident in every circumstance, he could also be sure that he would be equipped with divine power to deal with it. In every season and in every situation, the promises you can learn to be content. This week has been incredibly hard for me. And the reason it's been hard is I have been dealing with high levels of anxiety. The reason for my anxiety is because on Monday we submitted our green card application and we're gonna get a verdict of approval or denial in 15 days. And as I think about it, 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 it's just haunting me. I can't sleep at night. I wake up early hours of the morning. My heart's beating, <laughs> right? I, I wake up, I go into my living room, and I'm like, God, why do I feel this way? Why am I so anxious? And it makes sense that I'd be anxious because, look, if we get a denial... Right? There's a huge possibility that we can't stay here. We can't stay here and I can't continue to lead and my family and I can't continue to live here. It's a big deal. And I'm anxious because I don't have any control over this. Look, we got the best attorneys that we can. We really did. We really did. But at the end of the day, we don't know what the verdict is going to be. We hope it's an approval. We pray and we're praying and we're hoping, but who knows what God wants. If you look at Paul's life as a missionary and one of the most successful missionaries, he went through a lot, man. Right? He had times where he was persecuted and stoned nearly to death. He was put in prison. Right? He had times of need right, when he was shipwrecked, but he also had times of plenty, right, where he baptized people and he saw the church growing and all of that. And so there are different seasons in life. And when I think about our visa situation, I, I don't know what season we're going to step into. Could be a season of, God, yes, thank you. There's an approval. We can continue to be here. Or it can be a denial. And that would be a tough season. And this passage, and the one previous where Wayne did a great job preaching when it talks about do not be anxious about, you see how they're all connecting? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer, all of these, I could not need these more. This week I've been praying like crazy. My prayer has been, God, yes, like do it, but God, if it's the opposite to what I want, May I be content. May you give my family and I, the church, the strength to endure a challenging season if that's what we're stepping into. May I be able to say I'm content no matter what my circumstances are. I can get along with little and I know how to live with much. I'm content where, whether I'm full or hungry, whether I have my visa or not, whether this or that, and may you be able to say the same. May you pray this week that God would teach you how to be content. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but it's possible. It really is possible. 
the reason why it's possible to have true and lasting contentment no matter what season you step into or no matter what season you're in is because Paul's God is our God. J.A. Motya says, no circumstance could ever arise which could be too much for Paul's God and therefore no circumstance could ever be Paul. Paul's God is our God. Therefore, when we don't feel as content as Paul did, it's not because we don't have what we need. Rather, listen to me, it's because our focus is wrong. Instead of being focused on our Savior, we are focused more on our circumstances. And that's what that's done to me. I've just been at the feet of Jesus this week, man. Just been at the feet of Jesus and be like, Jesus, I have you. And apparently, if I have you, I, I have everything I need and I don't need anything else. You know, I was thinking of when Eleanor and I, you know, uh, were dating, and even till now, there are times when I'm with Eleanor and I'm just so content, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. I, I have my beautiful bride. She's awesome and nothing else. And that's what we're praying and leaning towards and pursuing that thing where we are so caught up in Christ. He has captured our hearts so much, no matter the circumstances, no matter what comes, we are content. And I'm not just talking about, oh, content as in all hell is breaking loose and, oh, I love Jesus. It's this it's this legit faith and trust that is sustained over time. And so the question is, are you discontent? Do you desire to find true and lasting contentment? Do you need to know what it is to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? If you do, then keep in mind that the Lord Jesus Christ is the source of true and lasting contentment. Therefore, you ought to make every effort to get as close to Christ as you can. Make every effort to get as close to Christ as much as you can through reading scripture, through praying, Find that contentment in Christ. Arkent Hughes says, lastly, wide, wings, wide, wide swings of fortune awaits us all. At times, many of us will experience abounding prosperity, and all of us will know devastating hardships. But because Christ is the center of our life, we can be content. Both abundance and loss will pass, but Christ remains the same. This is the message of Philippians, y'all. It's a message of joy and contentment that is only found in Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, help us, teach us to find true and lasting contentment in you. Holy Spirit, may you do this in my life and in the lives of your people. No matter what we go through, whether we're having the best time of our lives and everything's going well, God, may we find contentment in you in those times. And when all hell breaks loose and we don't get what we desire, God, may we find contentment in you. We love you so much. You are the beginning and the end. You are everything. And contentment is not found in us or in anyone else apart from you. So teach us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. And so this week is our last week in Philippians. And as a church, whenever we begin a book of the Bible, we begin it by reading <laughs> um, through the whole book. Okay, and we did this at the beginning of Philippians. But every time we conclude a book, what we'd like to do um, is have several of our members come and share reflections um, on how God has been using Philippians in their life. And so this morning, we're all going to have the privilege of hearing, not just from me, you guys have heard from me for enough, right? But you guys are going to hear from several individuals who are going to share their reflections on Philippians. And so um, to kick us off with our reflections, I'm going to invite our lovely Kylie Perini, everyone. All right. Um, first off, I haven't talked in front of a crowd since like public speaking in college, so have a little grace with me. Um, but for those who don't know me, my name is Kylie, and I've been attending King's Cross for about two years now. Um, I'm part of the La Jolla community group, for those who are in that group. Um, and I've also been really honored to be able to participate in the team that makes the study guides that you guys use for your community group. And I just really think that's really deeply enriched my understanding of the word and especially with the book of the Philippians. So I think that we could all agree that each and every verse of Philippians is full of rich and convicting and a lot of joyful passages. Um, and the part that really spoke to me that I think might be a little bit obscure for the book of Philippians, but I just feel like the Lord totally put it on my heart when I was reading, um, is chapter 3, verse 20, which reads, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to speak about the bodily transformation we'll experience once we're um, in eternity with the Lord. And so this theme isn't that expanded upon in this specific letter, but the theme of citizenship is carried throughout the New Testament, and the idea of eternal citizenship is something we see throughout. Um, I personally think back to the early 2000s when the brand Not of This World really took off, and I feel like Christians were putting that on every single thing you could own. Um, I'm definitely guilty of owning like an Ed Hardy style, like pink and black t-shirt that said Not of This World, so definitely like no judgment if you're still rocking that on the back of your car or anything. Um, but I think one of the issues with the repetition of seeing something is its loss of meaning and conviction over time. And so when I look at Paul's reminder that their citizenship was heavenly, it makes me head back to the drawing board to like critically engage what it means to be a citizen of heaven or not of this world. Um, one of the things that I've observed and experienced in my own life as a 21st century Christian is that for us to be citizens of heaven, it means us to be truly aliens to the nation and places we find ourselves in. And I think that's really hard for us to tangibly understand in this day and age. Um, especially living in the United States as a citizen with a comfortable job in a really ideal location, I have rarely felt alien. In fact, most of the time I feel like I'm at home, um, which I know isn't everybody's story here, but surely it's mine. And I think it was also much of the story for the Church of the Philippi at the time. With their Roman citizenship, it gained them a lot of advantage, so that was something that they greatly valued to be a citizen of Rome. And so if we are citizens of heaven, that makes us alien or foreigners to where we find ourselves now. In the same way that foreigners are often marked by distinct differences, such as an accent or a cultural practice, so must too Christians be marked by our citizenship that makes us distinct. And I think one of the hardest callings that comes with heavenly citizenship is that there's no certain look about us that makes it immediately obvious to about where and whom we belong to. And so our defining feature is an internal transformation that comes when we follow after Jesus Christ, and that in turn leads to this external sacrificial reaction. And so when I realize that, I really have to ask myself, what citizenship would those around me assume I have? And so you all know that scenario when you're sitting in a coffee shop and you overhear a conversation and maybe it's like there's an accent that you can't place and so you're trying to think to yourself like where are they from, you know, maybe the way they dress, something along those lines. If I placed myself in that situation and someone else was overhearing me talking and they're trying to place my origin at a coffee shop, would someone know to whom I belong to? And I think honestly, through reading Philippians and kind of all the convictions that came up, 
I think if they observed me, a lot of the times they would guess wrong or be quicker, quicker to assume my actual country of origin than my eternal home. And so how quick am I to associate myself with Rome more than I am with a sojourner passing through? And so I think the responsible citizenship is so important to where we find ourselves now, but I think we need to actively take on where our real citizenship lies and realize that we are merely guests of the nations and we are here as ambassadors for Christ. And so when I don't take up the role as a foreigner here and as an ambassador for Christ, and when I decide it's easier and more comfortable to blend into the world around me um, and to go unnoticed in a coffee shop where no one would know to whom I belong, um, it reminds me a lot of the gospel story of Jesus and Barabbas. And when the crowds decided to trade Jesus for Barabbas, they had no idea the full extent of what they were doing. Because in that, they were trading God for their own version of a hero. And are we not doing the same thing when we confuse where our citizenship lies? Because when I align myself with earthly power, protection, and citizenship, I'm really forfeiting heaven for Rome. And more than anything, the witness we have as Christians, when we take on our earthly citizenship as a priority or for its convenience, we are withholding heaven and proclaiming Rome to others around us. And so I'll never assume that I will get this balance right of being the perfect heavenly citizen, um, especially while we're here on earth. But my default is Rome before heaven most of the time. And so like anything, the longer I'm away from my real home, the easier it is to forget where I came from. And so the longer that I proclaim my life here as my ultimate comfortable reality, the more I forget about my eternal radical calling. And so it's just my ultimate prayer for myself and maybe anyone else who feels like they so easily slip between citizenships um, to remember that we are temporary residents here and the deeper that we lean into Christ and his calling for us, um, the more distinct and noticeable we become as citizens of something heavenly. So that's like one of my main takeaways from the book of Philippians, but thank you guys for listening. I got to go after that. <laughs> um, I'm Kyle. If you guys don't know me, been here a while. I've dabbled in a little bit of everything. Um, representing Bayho. So, uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, just uh, kind of in the same area, going through Philippians, and just a theme that stands out is the mindset of Paul and how he, every situation he's in, he just has just such contentment and just the power of God to get over it. And as I just kept meditating on his perspective and his mindset, it comes back to how can I get that mindset? How can I have that perspective that when I'm getting persecuted, when I'm thrown in jail, when I'm getting stoned, I'm content because God's, God's God. And, um, you know, it brought me back to Genesis. We were created for a perfect world to walk alongside God in Eden. And we broke that, and now we're in this broken world. We're not created for this broken world. We're created for heaven with God, God next to us. And it led me to the same verse. We're citizens of heaven. And am I living like a citizen of heaven or am I living like a citizen of this broken earth? And I mean, I don't have much else to top what she was saying because a lot of my stuff was in there, but really I'm just trying to reflect on myself. And um, you know, how am I trying to live my life? Am I really truly living like I belong to heaven or I'm trying to better myself on this earth? and just kind of pushing that to the side. And I mean, we should all do the same. We should all challenge ourselves to think of where is my allegiance? Where do I really see myself? And am I living that life of heaven? And uh, yeah, that's all I got. All right. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Kenzie Sparkman, part of the PB group, um, self-proclaimed kind of military group. So yes, my husband, <laughs> my husband's in the Navy. He's not here today. Um, but uh, I guess the overall theme that just kept coming to me throughout Philippians was how can we pursue Christ's joy and peace even throughout times of adversity? Um, the narrative that Paul writes for us in Philippians doesn't sound 
like what you would expect from someone who's imprisoned. And I just had to keep putting myself back in that, like, he's in chains. He's not in an ideal situation. And so I learned best when I put myself in other people's shoes and kind of try to see their perspective. And that was challenging because I know that <laughs> myself, I probably wouldn't be rejoicing in God's truth um, if I were in chains or in prison advancement of the gospel probably wouldn't be on my mind. I would feel isolated and probably isolating myself. Not grateful for community. And would probably be throwing myself a pretty massive pity party, to be honest, like just feeling bad for myself and in that situation. But Paul doesn't do that. And I found that really encouraging, but also very interesting. So I kind of wanted to dive in, like, how did he do that? And how can we do that? So as a teacher, I'm used to talking to, like, really little people. So it's kind of scary to be up here in front of people who are actually listening. But <laughs> um, um, like I said, I can personally relate best when I try to, you know, envision myself in that situation. And the closest thing I've ever been to imprisonment is, like, the couple weeks that I was grounded in high school. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, not physically imprisoned, but I think in some ways in all of our lives or in areas of our lives, um, we might be imprisoning ourselves or feel imprisoned. So some examples could be our time or maybe the lack of it. We feel like we don't have enough time and that's always constraining us. Um, maybe an addiction, maybe it's isolation we feel alone, or even anxiety. Um, I'm going to get really real with you guys here for a second. So ever since I was little, I've, I've always been a very anxious person. My mom used to always joke that I was kind of like the little elephant in Tarzan, like, is this water sanitary? You, know, <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. Okay. So as someone who's struggled with anxiety throughout many seasons of my life, um, sometimes it can feel like my mind and my spirit are imprisoned through that. And maybe some of you can also relate. Not necessarily like, you know, anxiety is something that you struggle with often, but circumstances. I mean, we all go through times in our life where it's just like, man, why is this happening? I don't know what to do. Um, and a lot of times those are where I feel furthest from Christ. And so how can we be more like Paul in those situations? That's kind of what I was reflecting on a lot throughout Philippians. Um, so I also chose verse 20 in chapter 3. <laughs> talking about, you know, when Christ is your end game, you're living so differently. And just keeping that in mind um, that this is our temporary home. We're not meant to be here forever we are promised in the Bible over and over again that while we're here on earth, we are going to face adversity. It's not going to be ideal. This is not what God has intended for us believers. So when we have those adverse situations, um, what can we do? How can we be more like Paul? And so um, I think he reminds us often that we should be grateful for community. Seek out those people. And above everything else, pray. And that's something that I really struggle with. Um, you know, my, my faith, I could go on and on. This is not, <laughs> I could talk of you forever, I feel like, but I'll try to keep it short. But prayer is sometimes um, easier said than done for me. And so my initial reaction in adversity are times where I feel like my anxiety is, you know, taking me captive, I want to worry about it. But in chapter 4, verse 6, like Obed reminded us this morning, Paul tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I know that this verse has become a bit of a cliche, which is awesome. Like, we're, we always love to see the gospel everywhere. It's always a blessing. Um, but it just is so full of truth and God's truth. And um, my father-in-law actually prayed this verse over me during a time of immense anxiety for me. For those of you who may not know, I'm a living organ donor. Um, I gave over 60% of my liver to my sister-in-law. 
And <laughs> I could go into a much longer story about that too. But I was really anxious during that time. I didn't feel like that was a decision that I could make. Like, on the one hand, I'm worried about myself. What if the answer is a no? What if they start doing all these tests and then they find out that there's something wrong with me? What if the answer is a no and now my sister, my future sister, we weren't even married at the time yet, <laughs> when I started going through all this, like, what if it's a no and I can't help her and she's back at square one? And then the other part of me was like, what if it's a yes? And the doctors and everyone just kept saying, it's your choice, you get to decide. I was like, how? How could I possibly do that? Like, don't put me in that situation. I don't want to choose. And so I was sitting on my father-in-law's back porch just crying. I was a mess. Like, how am I going to make this choice? And he prayed that verse over me. And as someone who at the time was not praying very often or very faithfully, um, I started to pray. And throughout all of the months of testing, everything leading up, I said, God, if this is what you want, if this is your will for me, make it clear. I wanted it to be crystal clear, no hesitation, no doubts, and he did. And um, by his grace and his will, my sister and I are both doing great. Um, so praise to him. And, you know, just I could go into so much more about that story, but it just serves as such a great reminder that even in times that are not as ideal or don't go as we think they should, um, be encouraged by Paul to seek out community. Don't just try to do it yourself. Um, community of fellow believers, I will add, makes a difference. And then being grateful for what we have and the opportunities and um, inviting the Lord into every situation through prayer. So that's all I got. <laughs> awesome. Well, hello, y'all. My name is Danny Butler. I'm part of the Mission Valley uh, groups, self-proclaimed board gaming group. So if you like board games, come talk with me after service. I'll be in the back. Um, but... I am really grateful for the book of Philippians, especially coming after Ecclesiastes. Um, it was nice to have Philippians to encourage, um, but also uh, Philippians was also a book about suffering and pushing through suffering and being in community with each other. Um, I am a very practical and applicable individual, so I'm going to give some like two real quick, like here were my bullet points of Philippians, because I know I'm standing between y'all and lunch. So, um, key passages that stuck out to me, one was Philippians 1.18, the second part, where Paul goes, yes, and I will rejoice. Short and sweet, but he did it while he was in prison. He was like, yes, I will rejoice. I am not a big, necessarily, rejoicer, um, I realize that when life is going good, like, I'm like, awesome. Like, I'm excited life is going good, and I don't really worry. However, I miss the application of Thanksgiving and have realized that Thanksgiving is something that I've been missing in my life, and Philippians is all about Thanksgiving. I know I am very guilty at the dinner table for being like, God, thank you for this food. Thank you for my family. Amen. And getting through it really quickly without actually sitting and being like, Actually, I am thankful for my family. Actually, I am thankful that I have food on the table that um, has been provided for me. And I know there may be a season where that may not be a case, and I know that may not be the case for some people in this room. Um, but like Paul said, in all things, be thankful. Rejoice to God who has given it all. Um, he gives and he takes away. Um, but that was the first point, is for me, I need to implement more Thanksgiving in my life and be grateful and sit with God in Thanksgiving. So with Thanksgiving, then there was suffering. Um, and suffering is something that I think I've been sitting with a lot. I'm someone who doesn't like when other people know I'm suffering. I am not somebody who is like, here's my problem, because I don't want to burden someone. 
I don't want someone to have to care for me or worry for me. I want to be strong and want to be able to care for others. And that's kind of the job that I um, do at university is care for students. And so why would other people need to care for me? And I know there's probably a lot of you in this room that do not like vulnerability. That's like one of your least favorite things. Um, but Philippians 1, uh, 29 says it for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake. Everyone in this room is probably suffering with something. And so to pretend that we're not for the kingdom of God um, is hard. But verse 27 then says, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith. Um, I'm also going to reference real quick uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So for me, my challenge was letting other people know my struggles, being honest with my community of believers that can come around me and pray for me, being honest and being vulnerable and being willing to Admit my suffering and being like, hey, this is where I'm struggling. This is what is going on in my life because it allows them to speak life into me and rejoice and be able to see from a different perspective the suffering. So that was point number two. Uh, we are a family on mission for Jesus. Be a family. Be vulnerable with each other and join community group. If you don't have a community group, <laughs> it's a really awesome opportunity to speak life into each other and to be with people that genuinely care and are willing to walk alongside you in life. So I am going to been asked to pray before uh, people come up and lead us in some worship. So um, if you don't mind bowing your heads. God, I thank you for the book of Philippians. I thank you for Paul and the journey. And I thank you that you are the God of Paul and you are the God of us. God, your, one of your names is the Prince of Peace. Um, and I'm so grateful that you are someone who sees us in our suffering, that you seek to provide peace. And so I pray for all of the hearts out there that are broken, for all of the hearts out there that are struggling that they're able to find a semblance of peace in you god this week i pray that they're able to turn to each other to lift each other up in your word and in your truth um, and god i thank you just for who you are who you are in my life uh, and who you are in this church in your heavenly name amen